At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hands. The Father and I are one. I really struggled this week to find words that felt faithful and adequate. On Thursday afternoon, I was sitting in our outdoor chapel and wrote what I thought was going to be this morning's sermon. It was full of first century historical, literary, and political anecdotes. John Neiman, you would have loved it. But it was also pretty tedious. And that night, I realized it wasn't actually a sermon about today's readings. It was me struggling to respond to what I was seeing and hearing. I'm troubled by the news from the Supreme Court this week. I'm concerned about what it might mean for our country and for women and for healthcare providers, like the one that I'm married to, who is here now. Most of all, I'm frustrated that such a complex and painful and personal issue is so often simplified into something black and white and reduced to stereotypes that strip people of their humanity and then made public for everyone to see. I'm not going to preach a sermon about abortion this morning, but the church also cannot be silent about something that impacts so many people. The church should never be silent when people are hurt or scared. You may not feel that way, but a lot of other people do. I know because I encountered that pain all week and the fear and the frustration on on social media and from members of this church and conversations that I had with some of you on the phone and in person. And no matter how I feel about any topic, when... Whenever I see people who are hurting, especially people in this church, as a pastor, my first and strongest desire is to do whatever I can to provide support and care. So this morning, I simply want to remind you that I am here, and I love you, and I am glad to be your pastor, and this is a place of welcome and grace and understanding and community. If you want to talk or to pray, please reach out. And if these words seem inadequate to you, well, they feel that way to me too. But I hope that at the very least you can hear the love that is behind them. So, now it's time for the second sermon I wrote this week. 
which I'm sorry to say, John, has almost no first century historical, literary, or political anecdotes. I know you'll all be very disappointed, but you know what? I think we'll get through it together. So today, today is Good Shepherd Sunday. Every year, a few weeks after Easter, we read about Jesus claiming to be the Good Shepherd and us, his sheep. And it may seem strange that out of all the possible images Jesus could use to describe our relationship with him, this is the one he uses so often. The image of a shepherd and his sheep. But it's an image that makes a lot of sense if, if we're willing to be honest. Listen, I don't know how much you know about sheep. I mean, I don't. I don't know how that's funny, but let me fill you in, all right? Sheep are pretty dumb. They're mostly helpless. And they don't do well alone. It's true. Sheep are not particularly bright creatures. They have a tendency to wander off and to wind up in trouble, to get lost, to get tangled up until they're stuck. They often have no idea what is good for them and what is dangerous. And part of the reason for that is the fact that sheep have really weird vision. They can see almost 300 degrees all at once, but they have a blind spot right in front of them. And because of that and the shape of their pupils, they don't have any depth perception, and they can actually only see about 20 feet. Now, that wide field of vision makes sense because sheep are not predators, right? Sheep are prey and and kind of pathetic, Sheep don't have natural defenses to protect themselves, so when a predator appears, they just all kind of clump together, and hopefully when that happens, you're somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Sheep feel safe when they're part of a herd. They have this deep instinct to flock together to the point where sheep actually exhibit stress and anxiety if they're separated from the rest of the flock. And this is the animal Jesus has chosen to describe us. But it makes sense if, if we're willing to be honest. Because we have a pretty strong tendency to wander ourselves, don't we? To get lost. To get tangled up in things until we are stuck. We even sing about it, right, Claire? Prone to wander Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Yeah. (laughs) All of us get mixed up in things that aren't good for us. And so often we lack the power to escape or to leave those things behind. And really, how good is our vision? I don't mean our actual eyesight, but our ability to discern what's safe and what's harmful, what is good and what is not. Our ability to see the world accurately, to see what's coming and to respond appropriately. We may think of ourselves as this world's apex predator, but we're also easy prey 
for the dangerous things that stalk us, that will harm us. Things like consumerism and greed, addiction and pornography, hatred and bitterness, gossip and apathy. Our defenses against these things are not very strong and they are weaker when we try to go it alone. We were made for community. Over these past two years, we've seen what happens when people are cut off from one another and isolated. So we may not like it. We may want to deny it. But this morning, we are forced to conclude that Jesus just maybe knows what he's talking about, that this description is a good one, that we are indeed Sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. And a good shepherd makes all the difference. A shepherd lives with the sheep, travels with the sheep, cares for them. As the flock moves, it's the shepherd who guides them and shows them where to go, whose keen eyesight and gentle staff help them to avoid dangers and snares. When a predator appears, it's the shepherd that defends the sheep, who uses the staff as a weapon, risking their well-being to protect the flock. The shepherd keeps the flock together. And when a sheep wanders off, it's the shepherd that seeks them out and brings them back. This is what shepherds do. Good ones, at least. The relationship between the sheep and the shepherd is one of dependence. Sheep need a shepherd. And according to Jesus, so do we. In a culture that values radical and rugged independence, that teaches us to be an island, a rock, that we can rely on our own strength and wisdom and power. Jesus teaches us that following him is about radical dependence. He challenges the way we see ourselves and the notion that we are in charge. We aren't. Sheep don't call the shots. Sheep don't choose where the flock goes. They don't decide who is part of the flock and who isn't. They don't dictate what other sheep should be doing or police their behavior. Sheep just follow their shepherd together, wherever he may lead. They obey their shepherd. They trust him because the shepherd has shown that they are worthy of trust. You know, in seminary, they talk a lot about the sacred trust between a pastor and a congregation. In many ways, pastors are shepherds. And sometimes people even ask me how my flock is doing, which I just think is really weird. And I never know what to say, so I usually just make some awful joke about how it's time for you all to be sheared or something. I don't know. (laughs) One of my professors in seminary told us that whenever we start serving in a new church, we need to make sure that we handle the first crisis really, really well. Because people are watching. 
watching to see if this new pastor is a good shepherd, someone who can be relied on, someone who will care for the flock and do whatever they can to love and guide people. People are watching how you respond and what you do to figure out if they can trust you. That's how trust is built. And I mean, how lucky am I that I haven't had any crises or unexpected situations or once-in-a-century pandemics that caused perhaps the greatest disruption and challenge to ministry in the history of our congregation? (laughs) Sheep don't trust their shepherd because they go through some rational, intellectual process. They trust their shepherd because the shepherd has proven through their own actions that they can be trusted. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to say in our reading this morning. Am I the Messiah? Talk is cheap. So look at my actions. I have given sight to the blind. I have fed the hungry. I have served the poor. I have set people free and shown them God's love and risked my safety, reputation, and soon my very life to do so. Are these the actions of someone looking out for themselves or are these the actions of a good shepherd who cares deeply for his sheep and for their well-being? I remember a few years ago, back when my nephew Ryan was little, We were hanging out at my dad's pool. He had just learned how to swim. My nephew, I mean, not my dad. And and he loved it. But there was one thing he hadn't done yet. He hadn't jumped off the diving board into the deep ends. Paddling around the shallows is one thing. But jumping into eight feet of water, that's, that's something else entirely. And there were a few people in the pool, people Ryan didn't really know, and they kept encouraging him to jump in, promising they would catch him, but he just couldn't quite do it. And a few minutes later, when I got in the pool, before I even knew what was happening, I heard someone scream, Uncle Josh, catch me! And I turned to see Ryan throw himself off the diving board with this look of just pure joy on his face. And once I recovered from the shock and I helped Ryan to the surface, I thought about what had happened. Those other people could say whatever they wanted. But Ryan just trusted that when Uncle Josh, whom he knew and loved, was in the pool, he was cared for and safe and didn't need to be afraid. This is what Jesus has revealed to us about God. Jesus has revealed that we can trust God with complete and utter abandon, that God loves and cares for us above all else, that God is worthy of our trust. We see this in the incarnation of Jesus when God willingly came down to earth and got in the pool with us to live in a weak, frail human body in order to show us we're not alone. We see it in the cross as Jesus showed that he would pay any price, make any sacrifice to love us, forgive us, and take away all that seeks to separate us from God. We see it in Christ's resurrection 
when God proclaimed victory over sin and evil and death for us. Jesus has shown us that he is the good shepherd and that he is worthy of our trust. And being his sheep, well, it's not so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Told you they would love it, Annie. (laughs) Being part of his flock isn't so bad. Leads to life and blessing and goodness itself. So let us follow where our shepherd leads. Amen.